1: Hello and welcome to the Transfer Window, the podcast that brings you the news before it becomes news, as well as insight and analysis into all the subjects you're talking about in football. I mean, regarding with me is the Guru Duncan Castles. We'd like to thank you personally all of you have already voted for the transfer window in the British Podcasts Awards. Please follow the link that we put out on social media. Those of you who haven't, mobilise brothers and sisters and let's bring this trophy to Transfer Window HQ. Today, we've got news on Manchester United, on uh, Tottenham Hotspur, Everton, Barcelona, PSG. As usual, we will bring you everything before you read, see, hear it on any other media channel. Duncan, we're going to start at Manchester United and a strange and mysterious case of the lesser-spotted Donnie van de Beek, a player who continues to be almost anonymous, if not completely invisible, at Old Trafford. It is our information that uh, van de Beek has been mentioned as part of the potential deal to take Jadon Sancho to United. Not something which we understand Van Beek is aware of, but something which uh, Borussia Dortmund are considering with regards to uh, the trade and sale of their attacking midfielder, who has obviously been long coveted by Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and uh, Manchester United as a club. Uh, Duncan, this probably isn't a massive surprise given Van der Beek's stats for last season, his first full season in England. Um, although the player himself, uh, I think, uh, deserves recognition for wanting to prove himself.
0: Yeah, you can't say otherwise than the move hasn't worked for both parties in terms of that first season at Manchester United. So he played just 551 Premier League minutes in total and just was given just four Premier League starts in total. And this is from a player who, remember, was going to Real Madrid, had a a, de- a deal in place with Real Madrid for some time. They were not able to complete that because they couldn't get to uh, the money that they'd agreed with Ajax um, because of the effects of COVID, because of La Liga's limitations on Spanish clubs and their, their spending last summer. So Manchester United, quite astutely it seemed at the time, moved in and took the player at a discounted price, still a very substantial transfer fee, and uh, and looked to have someone who, um, who could play in all positions in central midfield, uh, had, had accomplished achievements um, for Ajax at holding midfielder as an eight and in his preferred position as a number 10 um also looked like he could be a replacement for Paul Pogba had Pogba disappeared last summer and been sold um as discussions were going on in that direction. Instead, um he never established himself in the team despite some reasonable performances early on in the season, particularly one at Newcastle United, where he turned the game around uh for Manchester United. He then saw Solshar um I think yeah, you've got to say deftly man managing Paul Pogba, uh, and uh, and what has been a difficult situation for for um, many people to handle Paul Pogba, at Manchester United, but he got some of the best football out of Pogba, putting him in the team in a uh, what was in principle a left wing role, but actually allowed him to operate uh, centrally alongside Bruno Fernandes and have two players who wanted to be number 10 in the the side at a time and two creators to release his strikers and and had a lot of successful um, results and, and performances from it. I don't think it's a perfectly balanced formation and I think that's been demonstrated by opponents taking advantage of it. But Solskjaer used Bogba. Got him to buy into the project, got him to buy into the idea that he needed to to um, excel in the Premier League to get the move he wanted um away from Manchester United or get maximum on a new contract um Mina Raiola playing games over that contract United still uh trying to get the dis- discussions going with pogba. So that they can see how much it will cost to retain him, uh, and trying to avoid losing him for nothing in a year's time, and Van der Beek's kind of been caught in the middle of all of this. Um, his his value's gone down, his status has gone down, and and you now have a situation where United are are considering including him in uh, the important deals they want to do this summer, um, if they can get a good valuation from a club like Dortmund, who you have to say would. Um, would be the kind of club you'd expect to go for a player like van de Beek before he'd moved to Manchester United rather than after he'd moved to Manchester United. They will however have to have buying from van de Beek for that and the guidance I have as to his position on what he wants to do this summer is that he wants to stay in England, he wants to stay at Manchester United and he wants to prove that He is capable not only of playing in the Premier League, but excelling in the Premier League. Um, And he wants to do that regardless of what Manchester United's plans are for him. Um, Now, I think that's very understandable given what his status before he came to the club and given that he in many ways should have been at Real Madrid rather than Manchester United. To be seen as a make weight in a deal for the next big thing that's coming to uh, the Premier League, Jaden Sancho, is not a good look for a player um, while if i think if there was a proposal with a with a major club wanting to buy van de beek in his own right for a substantial transfer fee and that club was of interest to van de beek he'd have a different story there that there, that isn't in place at the moment and van de beek is going to be resistant to the kind of dealing that manchester united are considering doing with the player um, which will which will obviously complicate things for, uh, for both parties.
1: I think it's admirable, obviously, that the, such a young man, um, rather than accept his fate, wants to prove himself. However, there's only many times you can accept that slap in the face and four Premier League starts is certainly a slap in the face for a player who was a first pick on the team sheet at Ajax. Uh, I think for some of uh, our uh, community, who listen to the podcast regularly. If they hadn't seen uh, Finka de Jong play at Barcelona last season, uh, haven't seen him play in the Euros and be outstanding uh, in almost everything that he's done. That's the kind of st- uh, standard that uh, both the Beek wants to be at and aspires to be at. Now, if he's not getting the game time to even prove himself, then that clearly is a big problem both for the player and for Manchester United. Now, we reported on the podcast two months ago that Manchester United had offered an olive branch to Mino and Paul Pogba with regards to uh, generating conversations about a new contract for the player who was out of contract in the summer of 2022 and that that invitation hadn't yet to be taken up. We've since followed up on that uh, and We've reported also that that any kind of substantial conversations have yet to take place. Uh, People seem now to be getting in a frenzy about it, Duncan, with regards to Pogba uh, and Raiola and what happens next. Because clearly, um, with uh, Donnarumma's signing to Paris Saint-Germain in the last year uh, of his contract at AC Milan, uh, he has followed through with uh, the ability of modern players to run down their contract, uh, despite being worth tens of millions of pounds and move for free, therefore raking in the financial gain uh, as well as uh, being given the opportunity to choose his own club uh, rather than be sold by his parent club. Now, it looks to me increasingly like that's going to be Pogba's uh, tactic as well. Uh, It's still a young man who can afford to play out next season at Old Trafford and then move on a freedom of contract. Do you think there's any chance that United will be able to tie him down to a new deal and therefore recognise some of the value they invested when obviously they bought him four years ago?
0: The situation is pretty much as you describe it, Rayola, um and more importantly Pogba are in the position of strength because there is just one year left on the contract. They have the option to run down to zero and leave and take take their chances under freedom of contract to get the biggest deal possible in a year's time and if they refuse to sign a new deal at Manchester United that is it yeah you know, united don't have any remedy to that what they what they have to trade on is um a fear uh, or a, an anxiety on pogba's part that he might not be able to achieve good terms in a, in a year's time they could in principle threaten him if he does decide to run down his contract with limited playing time for the year although doing that with a player on such high salary is never uh, particularly clever or, or a, a good look Um, there is also an element of a difficult relationship between Raiola and Pogba which we reported on the podcast some time ago and that, that Pogba is exploring um, other representation options and that is placing pressure on Raiola to get a deal done this summer Um, Pogba wants to leave Pogba wants to play for Real Madrid as an ideal option if he could get that deal in place and Raiola's been doing work for some time to try and get that deal in place then he would take it but the chances of that happening I think have reduced now that Zinedine Zidane has left Real Madrid and, and Carlo Ancelotti isn't Place there. Um, in the immediate term, it makes sense for Pogba not to be involving himself in talks with Manchester United because he's in the middle of a Euros. France have a good chance of winning the Euros and retaining their, their crown as the, the top team in world football, having won the previous World Cup. Um, if he has a good Euros and, and he's done well so far, then, then maybe you can provoke interest from the, the major clubs enough that they will try and, and arrange a deal with United now. One thing that's been proposed, again something we talked about in the podcast a while ago, is that Pogba goes to Juventus and Cristiano Ronaldo comes back to Manchester United um, with valuations being being placed on the two players and an FFP swap deal. Um, that's something that Juventus uh, have an interest in. It's something that uh Cristiano Ronaldo's representatives have suggested is not something that has been completely excluded by Manchester United. They've listened to Ronaldo's interest in in coming back. Uh and have said, hang on, um, like just we we're looking at various options in attack. Um, we'll get back to you later on that. So so that would become more viable um if Pogba has a good Euros and and would would help Manchester United if they decide to go down that direction. Obviously, the 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 deal that they've made a bid on is the Jaden Sancho one, and as we told you, it's Jaden Sancho or a centre forward. It's a it's a elite forward of one type, either on the right hand side of attack or in the centre. And if Sancho comes in, then you should not expect Ronaldo to come in as well. But I think Pogba has, has placed himself in a position of strength and he's playing the cards available to him at the moment and, and we'll see how things transpire over the Euros um, and then see what the, the strategy is for the remainder of the season and see um what offer Manchester United are prepared to put to him. Um, to try and convince them to stay in, and and retain control and not lose out on the on the record transfer fee they paid for him.
1: Duncan, there feels like uh, a bit of an environment of hubris in the Premier League this summer. Um, it's like you don't know which way to look because of manager changes, player recruitment. You've got the Euros as well, uh, which considering, which of course often generates interest in players that perhaps. Uh, we weren't looking to necessarily prior to the tournament. Uh, one club, certainly very much involved in all this, is Everton, having lost Carlo Ancelotti, their so called Hollywood manager, to Real Madrid. Uh, now, this could also mean the uh, departure of two of, or one or two of their star players, um, not because Ancelotti necessarily wants to recruit them, but because. The club themselves are looking at uh, shaking things up with regards to uh, how the team is going to look next season um, in the image of a new boss. That boss, of course, may yet be Rafa Benitez, will probably come on to that at some point. Uh, And it will have an influence on these particular two players who would not necessarily fit into a Benitez team? I, th-
0: I think obviously the, the new manager's being factored in. Obviously that's the biggest problem Everton have got to solve at the moment. We've talked a lot about the internal division at the club um, and the problems they've had at coming uh, to a resolution on who they actually appoint. Uh, as manager, we've seen Rafa Benitez um, briefing that he wants to take the job and that he, uh, he was close to accepting it, we've told you that um, Everton have on two occasions told Nuno Espirito Santo that he was first choice for the job, um, that they persuaded him to step away from a formal contract offer that Crystal Palace expected to be signed um, to come to Everton and then didn't provide him with the contract themselves. So, So that is an issue there. But I think aside from this, there is a calculation within Everton um, over what to do about their their two main strikers. Um, you have Richarlison, uh, who has three years of contract left at present, um, scored 33 goals in 105 Premier League games over his, his three uh, seasons at the club, but just seven and 34 last season. He's now uh, quite a regular Brazil international was a very expensive signing from Watford, and the fee that could uh, that could rise to fifty million pounds. Um, and Richarlison is very much open to moving elsewhere. His agent has been looking for opportunities to move him elsewhere. Everton aware of that, and they're I think they're being quite pragmatic about it. And they're 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 saying if a good offer comes in for this player um, who wants uh, to leave. Um, if he gets what he regards to be a good offer, then we should take it and, uh, and invest elsewhere. Um, and possibly we've got as good out of Richarlison as it was possible to get. And, and it's not a bad idea for us to, to freshen up there, especially with a new manager in, especially to bring in uh, cash, which is not in great supply at Everton um, at present. Um, so a new manager can do things in the market. The other one which I think is a lot more surprising is a lot more surprising to me when I was told about it is, is Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Um, Calvert-Lewin has excelled I think it's fair to say in the last two seasons I, I see him as a very rounded striker, he can do a lot of things and he has that physical presence which which unsettles a lot of defences he scored well um, 13 uh, in the 2019-20 and Season and 16 Premier League goals in, in 33 games last season. He's a full England international. they got contracted till 2025. So, you know, they should all be tick boxes. And normally you'd, you would think when you have a player of that type, um, you'd want to do everything to retain him. But actually, the guidance I have is that ever, there's a sense within Everton that Calvert Lewin is very valuable and they wonder whether he's reached the peak of his development. Now, my personal view, and, and it's not relevant, is I I, I would I see him as still improving. I like what I see. But the, the experts within Everton have a sense that perhaps he's reached his peak. And if they're going to cash in on the player, this is the time to do it. And if they get a good offer this summer, then they would seriously consider selling him. Um, so I think this one to. It's definitely to pay attention to in a market where you have Harry Kane trying to leave Tottenham, being very public about his desire to leave Tottenham. Um, Calvert-Lewin and Harry Kane, I think there are a lot of similarities in the way they play. They're not the same player, but there are similarities. And were Tottenham to be forced into selling Harry Kane, which is a subject of active discussion, I would expect Calvert-Lewin at least to be on their list of potential recruitments uh, to, to replace him. And, uh, and possibly that could um, spark off a, a series of moves if it gives Everton the money to, to spend in the market and back whoever the new manager ends up being.
1: With regards to Calvert-Lewin, I, I agree with you. I think he probably does have more uh, to come his talent and the honing of his natural ability Um, He seems to me to still be, not raw exactly, but maybe medium rare (laughs) uh, with regards to his development so far, and certainly can be coached. Um, He seems to be an articulate, intelligent young man, uh, despite the way he dresses sometimes. Uh, If you doubt that, then please Google him and his fashion taste, uh, and you'll see him. Um, However... um, I think he would be in demand, certainly in the English game as well, because he, he does have a distinct suitability to the style of Premier League football. Not, however, as much of a mess as Tottenham Hotspur are and remain in with regards to their potential recruitment of a new head coach. Uh, still no smoke, white smoke, Duncan, coming out of uh, White Hart lane with regards to... Um, who Daniel Levy is going to decide to appoint. Running out of candidates, uh, that's for sure. We had a very good response to last week's pod. But Duncan, you have a a, a nagging sense, I, I feel, based on your contacts and information, that the Murcio Pochettino return saga isn't just quite over, despite uh, PSG saying he stays and we've activated the extension on his contract.
0: Yeah, PSG have been very strong in this. Leonardo came out and said that Pochettino was staying, there was no issue, he was happy with them, that uh, they'd be working together going forward. We told you that Pochettino tried to get the Real Madrid job, made himself available for that, tried to get out of Paris Saint-Germain because he hasn't enjoyed it at the club. We've discussed the issues that he's had with handling that um, FC Hollywood uh, squad of players. Um, he obviously made him, was open to talking to Tottenham. Tottenham uh, briefed that they were open to bringing him back. It seemed that Paris Saint-Germain's actions had, had cut that path off. Um, what I'm being told is that Pochettino is continuing to put pressure on Paris Saint-Germain, to put pressure on the um, Qatari owners to allow him to leave this summer. Um, regardless of uh, Leonardo exercising that option, that's made it more expensive for him to get out. Um, so, so there you have at least the potential that Daniel Levy can get the man back who he seems to regret having sacked to bring Josie Mourinho in, and then being forced to sack Josie Mourinho again. Um, it would certainly, from a PR perspective, uh, wash away. A terrible few weeks for them um, with this failure on successive attempts to appoint um, a range of candidates with um, quite extensive briefing about Pochettino being a candidate to come back. Then the Antonio Conte um, scenario where he was supposed to be on the point of joining the club but actually wasn't happy with salary and wasn't happy with the conditions under which he would work. Um, you have Fabio Paratici offering the job to Paolo Fonseca, Paolo Fonseca agreeing to come, then that being withdrawn um, from Fonseca, the the job is then offered to Rino Gattuso, um, contract drawn up, and because of fan protests over a number of issues, that is withdrawn from Gattuso, and they're they're left looking again. If Pochettino can secure the exit, then um, I think all maybe not all is forgiven but a lot will be forgiven um, by Tottenham supporters he does actually fit that description of a coach that Daniel Levy put on the the Tottenham website when he made his public apology to Tottenham supporters Um, he is a better fit to that description than um, Nuno Espirito Santo who I understand has been offered to Tottenham again um, and uh, would be a experienced Premier League coach who's done well in England, and, and in many ways, I think, uh, is one of the best options available to Tottenham at present. But um, not perceived as a particularly attacking coach, so uh, that's a negative for him in the in the, the the Tottenham DNA, as Daniel Levy likes to describe it, and um, offered before all of this. Um, a chasing of various coaches uh, went on and and not back at that stage by Tottenham. So were they to appoint Nuno, it would be seen as um, well we had to go. They had to go to him after failing on on their their preferred candidates, which is never a great look for any club.
1: Of course, not so much in the background as right up there in front of you, uh, headbutting you, is the issue of Harry Kane and his desire to leave the club in order to further his career. Kane uh, has a reputation, Duncan, of a player who likes to uh, be the player's representative towards uh, both the manager uh, and, I mean, head coach and that, as well as the ownership. Uh, He speaks on behalf of the players. He is both a leader on the field and off the field. He formed a very uh, strong bond with Maurizio Pochettino um, when he was Tottenham manager. I'm thinking here that if Levy wants to try and wipe away the stain, if you like, of this uh, fairly chaotic situation, that bringing back Pochettino would be the only candidate who would placate the Tottenham fans. And then even if Kane stayed or left, he would still have the safety net of having Pochettino in place uh, in terms of... Uh, on the front line being his almost uh, human shield uh, with the fans uh, and the media as well for that matter uh, with regards to the um, events of the last few months and the mistakes that have been made. And therefore, uh, he would be focusing, if he thought there was any chance, even a 1% chance of getting Pochettino out of Paris and back to North London, then he would see that as a win-win in all sorts of ways.
0: Yeah, and, and Tottenham have gone through this process of offering the job to two um, coaches and withdrawing that offer. Now, um, if you have in the background the possibility that Pochettino might just become open, that might help explain why you, you take those decisions um, to step away from those coaches. It's going to be expensive, and, and one thing that Fonseca and Gattuso had in common was they were cheap by coaching standards in terms of salary. Um, You're asking about the factor that Harry Kane plays in this. One of the bits of information I have is that in the discussions that Fabio Paratici had with Paolo Fonseca over pretty much everything was discussed for strategy as how how Fonseca was going to play, um, what they were going to do in the market, um, how how they intended to work together. One of the conversations was, of course, over Harry Kane. And the brief I have is that Paratici told Fonseca, don't worry, um, Harry Kane will be staying at Tottenham Hotspur. Um, It's not an issue that you have to uh, concern yourself about. Now, whether that was bravado, um, whether that was a negotiating tactic, um, I guess we'll never know. What we will find out is whether they managed to retain Kane at the end of the summer. Um, But you're right uh, in terms of a a defensive shield for Tottenham. If you can find a solution where Pochettino manages to get out of Paris Saint Germain at a relatively low cost. And, you know, these are big ifs here. And the Qatar do not do things um, unless it suits them. The face is very important to them. Um, They have taken. But apparently illogical decisions in the past uh over recruitment and over retention of players because they decide they want it done that way and uh, and holding a manager against the will would would very much fit into that but if he can get out and if he can get they can get him at a reasonable cost um yes it would it would help um them navigate the Kane situation, whichever way it goes.
1: Well, this is the Transfer Window podcast, which, as we always say, brings the news before it becomes news. And indeed, we reported Manchester City's interest and indeed the impending bid, which has now become a uh, frenzied subject of discussion uh, in the mainstream media. So uh, just remember where you heard it first. I'm sure from Maurizio Pochettino's view, Duncan uh, we could quote the once great Oscar Wilde and say that if Mbappe were to leave PSG and Kane Tottenham, and then, of course, he switched clubs as well, to lose one great striker would be seen as careless, but to lose two would be seen as downright negligent. We're going to move to the other major transfer saga, if you want. Um, well, we could include Jaden Sancho, I suppose, uh, alongside Harry Kane. Of the summer, and that is the uh, ongoing situation of Leo Messi at Barcelona, where he seems to have rekindled his love uh, and his devotion, more importantly, to the Catalan club. And a strategy, Duncan, has been put in place, we think, by uh, the uh, renewed president, we should call him, uh, Joan Loporta, uh, with regards to retaining Messi for the rest of his best playing days. But also uh making sure that he is part of the club in an integral sense going forward as well
0: yeah this is, this has been the big issue for Lionel Messi and Laporta is how do you uh keep the the most popular individual at the club there um and square it with the massive financial problems that that Barcelona have at present um What I'm told they've been working on is a deal which would see Messi take a significant pay cut, um, something that he's only been prepared to do because of Laporta, the guy he advocated as um, the next president and voted for. Um, And then um, have that decision by Messi to take a significant pay cut signalled to the rest of his teammates that they should also um, take a cut in salary um, in order to help support the great club they play for through this difficult period, um, help them with the recruitment, help them with the renewal of the squad, uh, and help them be competitive not just in Spanish football again, but uh, for the Champions League again, which of course is one of the things Messi wants to do before he leaves, is win the Champions League again. Um, there is the personal side to this in that Messi's family um, want, never wanted to leave Barcelona. He told that story um, after he stepped away from his uh, Bureau Facts decision to uh, invoke a, what he felt was a valid clause in his contract and leave last summer um, and that uh, agreement he had to go to Manchester City. Um, he told a story about how his, his children came and cried um, when they learned that uh, he might be leaving Barcelona. So so Laporta's always had that on his side. Um, he, the deal that I'm hearing about is structured quite carefully in that there is a substantial amount of money already owed to Messi on his last contract. What Laporta's pro- proposing to do is to pay that over the course of multiple years, perhaps as many as 10 years, with Messi once he stops playing for barcelona carrying on in an ambassadorial role uh, for the club um, even uh, and this is also part of the proposal even if he goes to america to play mls football um, after he finishes his playing career so he would remain at, partly in the employ of barcelona during that period when he stops playing in america he'd still remain in the employ of barcelona as an ambassador and potentially come back to the club and work uh, in what's described to me as a day-to-day management role within the club. Now that might be as a coach, but more likely sporting director or some other area of the administration of the club. So, so Messi gets this long-term buy-in into Barcelona. He gets the money he's owed paid to him. Laporta gets to say, I kept Messi at the club and I, and I, and I kept him as a long-term part of Barcelona's future. Messi gets to go and play in MLS and, and make a lot of money there for perhaps two or three seasons in between. And again, I'm, I'm hearing that both Messi and Barcelona have been involved in negotiations uh, and work with Inter Miami, um, the club that David Beckham is a, is a part owner of, uh, to set up Uh, a a pre-agreement work on a pre-agreement that um, would take him to enter Miami Um, if you look at what uh, the managing owner, the principal owner of Miami has been saying earlier this month He uh, actually went on record and said, I'm optimistic Messi will play in an Inter-Miami shirt because I think it will complete the legacy of the greatest player in our generation and will meet with the ambitions of the owner of Inter-Miami to build a world-class team. So the work's being done there. They'll have some interesting uh, administrative uh, issues to solve given that they've already broken MLS rules. Um, on salary cap at Inter Miami and received a record fine of $2 million uh, for effectively having five designated players on their books um, last season um, and overpaying other players so um, it'll be intriguing to see how they structure that deal to get Messi there but um, that's where Barcelona are at present, and they seem to be confident that they'll get this deal completed and and Laporta thinks he might even be able to use the retention of Messi um, to to help bring down the salaries of other players at the club, which is um, ambitious thinking if nothing else
1: well Duncan, given your sort of sense of peace I detect with the notion that Messi takes a pay cut and other players as well, it seems like a reasonable time to inform you that the boys upstairs have informed me that you have to take a pay cut here on the transfer window. So therefore, we are serving notice that from now on, your weekly packet of pickled onion monster munch will no longer be available to you as part of your, part of your contract. Sorry about that, but there we go. <laughs> These are the ways we work here. People on the Transfer <laughs> Window podcast, we, uh, we bribe our employees with food. It is the first podcast of the week and therefore it's time for hero and villain. There are lots of candidates on both sides. However, we are going to delve deep into the Euros and Duncan is going to give us our hero of the week, or I should say heroes in fact. And indeed, it may even include men in skirts.
0: (laughs) No no men in skirts at all. Lots of men in kilts. Um, Yeah, heroes of the week, but it has to be. Something associated with Scotland after uh, the the performance on at Wembley. I think Steve Clark would have uh, would have got this one if it wasn't for the actions of the of the Scotland supporters um, in London, uh, who went to Leicester Square, um, serenaded a, a statue of William Shakespeare in the, in the centre of London, with the the immortal line, "You're just a Robbie Burns."
1: should you explain to some of our listeners the Robbie Burns reference given that um, I'm sure they've heard of the other guy?
0: Uh, If they haven't heard of Robbie Burns then they, they, I'm afraid they don't deserve an explanation. And and I say that as someone (laughs) who shares a, shares a birthday with the, the great man. So, uh, despite a man who died in 1616, (laughs) William
1: Shakespeare, that is, (laughs) being chanted at by uh, a group of beskirted men (laughs) in 2021 uh, uh, at a statue, which now seems to be kind of uh, the norm uh, chanting at statues. Uh, (laughs) I'm going to go... (laughs) My villain will also feature the Scotland national team. uh, And that's, unfortunately, wee Billy Gilmer, uh, who was absolutely outstanding and deserved his multiple Man of the Match awards that he picked up after that game against England. But then in classic Scotland style, contracts a virus no one knows what it looks like and uh, is out of the final group game in which we could certainly have used him against the nouse of Luka Modric in order to uh, proceed to the knockout stage for the first time in Scotland's history. indulges people. We're just two Scottish boys far from home. Uh, and so we'll be watching that game and hoping that even though Billy Gilmer, our villain stroke hero uh, of the week, is not involved, that indeed Scotland can join that uh, heady space of being one of the knockout teams in contention. Uh, This has been the Transfer Window Podcast. As you know, please give us a five-star review on iTunes to expand the community. Engage with us at Transfer Podcast on all the social media platforms that you usually do. So Duncan is at Duncan Castles. I'm at Garbo SJ. And don't forget, vote for us in the British Podcasts Award. Just do that search and you'll find it. I know it's very simple. Just say our name, say your own name, and it's all done and dusted. Thank you very much. Until Friday, when we will be back with the second podcast of the week. Stay safe, be well, enjoy your football and the Euros. And thanks for listening.